Hello, this is Ron Clark from the Agape Church of Christ in Portland, Oregon, and you are listening to the God of Second Chances podcast. Welcome back to the God of Second Chances podcast. We're doing a special series for the holiday season called Jesus Unleashed for Christmas. It's from my book, Jesus Unleashed, Luke's Gospel for Emerging Christians. We're going to be spending the first four lessons of this Christmas holiday series in the first two chapters of the Gospel of Luke. So we'd like you to turn to Luke chapter 1, and let's see what the God of Second Chances has to tell us as Jesus is unleashed for Christmas. We want to take this time to, first of all, wish you a happy holidays. And while a lot of people might say, well, Christmas or Hanukkah or Kwanzaa or Thanksgiving or New Year's, we understand that they all come around the same time of year and we believe that holidays are to be celebrated because we don't have enough in our lives. So we call this the holiday season. Uh, I always start with Thanksgiving and moves all the way past the new year. So whatever you believe we want you to enjoy this time of year to understand it is a holiday or a holy day, a special day, different than the other days. As a Christian, And I believe in what we call the Christmas holiday season. If you want to know more about our stance on Christmas being a a Christian tradition, uh, you can check our website, agapecoc.com, and we have some of the articles posted there on that, as well as sermon series on that. We also want to take this time to thank you, in addition to saying happy holidays. Uh, Thank you for your loyalty in these podcasts. We've been through the Torah, which was over 30 lessons, and we will continue on in the year 2020, going beginning with uh, Joshua and moving forward. But we'd like to take a break and talk about the Christmas season. We'd like you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. We're going to look at the first four verses in this lesson. And I think it's important that we discuss these first four verses. Often we skim through uh, the text, we read quickly without understanding what is the point uh, the author is making in this story. As always, we're not going to read every one of the verses, but we are going to um, uh, discuss some of them. We want you to read ahead so uh, you can talk with your small group or your church, or your community, or your private devotional, as these lessons are designed for English as a second language speakers and those on the mission field trying to teach many others. In Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, these are extremely important verses. In fact, scholars have said this is some of the best Greek in the New Testament. We don't know a lot about Luke, Uh, The assumption is that he is the individual the Apostle Paul speaks of in some of his letters. They call him the physician, Luke. We do know that as you read through the book of Acts, about the time Paul and his mission team hit around Macedonia in Acts chapter 16, uh, the the language 
changes from they to we, and the thought is that Luke is accompanying them on the mission trip. Uh, and then in other places, Luke talks about them and then rejoins the team. Uh, Macedonia, or Philippi, that area, had some of the best medical schools at the time. Uh, doctors or physicians were simply slaves that were well-read, well-studied, and they learned uh, magic and medicine from many different cultures. So we know that they're good at investigating and reading and researching. And it would have been very wise for the Apostle Paul to have a medical person on his missionary team, since he tended to be beat quite often. What we do know is that the Gospel of Luke is Luke's account of the story of Christ. In fact, in the beginning, he says, Many have undertaken uh, to draw up an account. And I like the way he, he uses that term. Many have <clears throat> set their hand, is the Greek, to draw up an account or to tell the story or to um, discuss the things that have been fulfilled among us. It's, that's a business term that's in reference to uh, the, the comings and goings of our, of our business, of our community. What Luke tells us, first of all, is that the story of Jesus is already out there. Some have tried to write the story. Some have told the story, and we think it's possible that Mark and Matthew, and some scholars might even say John, were already out there and being used by the Christian community. They may have been in a, um, in, not in their present form, uh, they may have been in a rough draft form, but we do believe that Luke is telling us there are other stories about Jesus that are written. We also know that oral stories were there. And Luke's take is, I've decided to give you another account. He mentions that some of these stories were handed down or passed on traditionally by those who were eyewitnesses. Well, we understand that Matthew would have been a disciple of Jesus. Uh, the story is that Mark was uh, the one who was on the mission team with Paul and Barnabas in the book of Acts, and then later uh, joined Peter at Rome, and the story is that Peter gave the gospel to the Romans and Mark wrote it down. We now understand that John was an apostle and an eyewitness. So it's possible that Luke is suggesting that these, these gospels, these stories, were told by eyewitnesses or apostles. They were also servants of the word. Then Luke says, with this in mind, I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning. Uh, the word for investigated is the idea of done my research. And it's interesting as we read through the Gospel of Luke that he tells us things that none, no, none of the other writers tell us. Mary ponders things in her heart. Mary wonders. Uh, people think to themselves. You get the idea that Luke has possibly talked with these individuals has possibly interviewed some of them, has been a researcher within the Christian community. And therefore, he says, I too decided to write an orderly account, or uh, not chronological through time, but a step-by-step -step account. He also uses the words in the beginning, an account uh, at the first verse, along with this verse, he uses the word that's a Greek word for narrative. From what we know of ancient Greek schools, the first uh, 
basic education taught you to read and to write and to know some of the sciences, but the second or the more advanced level taught you grammar and narrative. Writing as a story was a skill that was acquired through intense training. In fact, <clears throat> Marianne Bones, in her book uh, on, on uh, Luke and Acts and the ancient world, uh, she discusses that many of the writers modeled their writings after current uh, classics. For instance, Virgil's Aeneid, the story of Rome, was very similar to uh, the Iliad and the Odyssey. They had many of the grand themes, many of the great stories, and we think that Luke was telling the story of Jesus, while well, telling it truthfully, but telling it in a narrative style, not a chronological step-by-step, step, but a narrative step-by-step. Step. And it's interesting, as you go through Luke, he uses the way, the road, the direction, uh, people journey with Jesus. You find an interesting parallel in Homer's stories when uh, the hero met monsters on the side of the road or on the margins of populations, he killed them. When Jesus met those who were marginalized along the way, he saved them. Luke is going to write, in his words, a better story, a more advanced story, a narrative. He tells us who is going to be reading this story. He uses the term most excellent Theophilus. This is a term used later in the book of Acts for some Roman officials. We understand that Theophilus would have been an individual even though the term says lover of God, some have thought it's a community of Jewish faithful people. We think that the most excellent suggests that Theophilus was a Roman official. And some of you, uh, Halvor Moxness, would suggest he was a member of the equestrian unit, a uh, high up uh, Roman soldier. And we know that uh, these individuals tended to retire on the coast of Caesarea and Luke's Gospel tends to, uh, and Acts have traction in that area. So we get the idea that Luke is writing to this very, very noble, probably wealthy individual, and he wants him to see a better account of the story because he wants him to know the safety of the things he's been taught, to know the truth. It's also a, a, a legal term in court. I want to persuade you with the evidence that this is valid. The first four verses of this book, Luke says, I'm going to tell a narrative of the story of Jesus. And I want this narrative to be one that convinces you of the truth of what we believe. These first four verses are packed with meaning. They show us that Luke is a highly educated um, a very efficient researcher who's trying to persuade a very wealthy patron or a very wealthy individual that this Christian movement is valid, is safe, and is true. So as you read through the Gospel of Luke, search for what he's trying to do to show us how valid the Christian movement is. As I pointed out in this last section, 
Luke seems to be trying to convince this wealthy Roman official or leader and possibly his buddies uh, that the Christian movement is safe, is valid. But as you go through this story, I want you to realize something about how Luke does it. I can imagine Theophilus and his buddies kind of sitting on the coast with their flip-flops, their cargo shorts, their Hawaiian shirts, puka shells around their neck, and maybe a gold, uh, gold chains and a gold uh, nice watch, and they're drinking their, their lattes and their tea and their coffee, and they're reading this story. And as you go into the story, understand something. Luke has a funny way of trying to persuade them that this movement is safe. For those who are wealthy in the ancient world, one of the biggest fears is foodborne illness. And right out of the start, the Messiah is born in a feed trough. Now, we use the term manger, and we'll talk about that later, but it sounds nicer, but it's a feed trough. It would have been nasty. It would have had cow or animal slobber in it and food and slop. And they just wrap this Messiah in rags and put him in a feed trough. Sounds exciting to us, but imagine being a wealthy individual. Throughout Luke's gospel, he's going to tell stories of the poor, the oppressed, those who are lame. Jesus is going to touch those with highly communicable diseases. In fact, as you go through the gospel of Luke, the poor, the oppressed, widows, Gentiles, those who are not Jewish, are people who constantly receive Jesus' attention. And yet, this is all fits within the story of the nation of Israel being restored to power. The Roman Empire is not seen in a positive way. Those who are in power, those who, like the Pharisees, have labeled people sinners, or in Luke chapter 5, uh, Luke simply says Jesus hung out with others and tax collectors. And the Pharisees' response is, why is he with sinners and tax collectors? The message is very clear. That if you've made a separation between yourself and the poor and the common people, you've made a separation with Jesus. And that's Luke's point. He is convincing Theophilus that this is the way. Theophilus has lived in a world where that is not the way. And Luke says, oh yes it is. It is the way. The holiday season in the United States in 2018, they spent $3 trillion on Christmas. Gifts, stuff, things that after January 1st meant very little to most people. And yet, the marketers, the materialists, the, our, our uh, companies pound us with advertisements telling us, you've got to buy this stuff to have a good Christmas. And then there's Luke's Gospel. Jesus is unleashed to teach the world there's a different way of living. This time of year, this holiday season, is not a time to sacrifice time with your family. It's not a time to be so busy you don't enjoy the beautiful scenery, the lights, the beauty of the season. It's not a time that we focus on stuff. It's a time that we show love and compassion 
and we be the kind of we become the kind of people who Luke is calling us to be. A people like Jesus, who become friends of sinners and tax collectors, even if it means coming off our high horse, as Theophilus might have had to do. I'm Ron Clark with the Agape Church of Christ. We want to say happy holidays. Have a wonderful Christmas season and all the seasons you enjoy. And remember the God of second chances who has unleashed Jesus for Christmas and taught us that separating uh, uh, from people and putting up boundaries is not the way of Christ, but to be with those people and to reach out to them and offer them hope. That's who we're called to be. Go in peace, love God, serve others, and remember the God of second chances.